So you probably know that the Bible is made up of lots of different stories. And I wonder what are your favorite Bible stories? Anyone got a favorite Bible story that you can think of? Isaac, what's your favorite Bible story? John 3.16. Okay, so that's your favorite Bible verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That, that one? Yes, fantastic. And has anyone got a favorite Bible story? I'm going to think of this. Jenny? David and Goliath. David and Goliath. That's a classic one, isn't it? I knew someone would say that. What, what other favorite Bible stories have you got? What about you, Cassie? Esther. Esther, the story of Esther. That's a beautiful story, isn't it? Yeah, Queen Esther. And anyone else? Let's have one more. Favorite Bible stories? You can think of one that you really like. Hang on, Isaac, we've had adults. Favorite Bible stories? Paul. 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 Yeah, so all about Paul, so the book of Acts. and and uh, Okay, fantastic. So we've all got our favorite Bible stories. And all those stories... Uh, fit into one big story, what we call the overarching story or uh, narrative. And what's really exciting about studying the Bible, is why we encourage it, is you you um, get to find out how all these stories connect together. And over the next four weeks, we're going to look at uh, the big story from beginning to end. This is God's story. And we're going to start at the beginning. Who can tell me what the first book of the Bible is called? Tina? Genesis, absolutely right. And uh, the the word Genesis literally means beginning. Uh, But before we start, we need to understand how to read the book of Genesis. Now, I've got lots of uh, different books here in this bag. So what have I got? I've got... I've got a bit of Shakespeare, children's version, Romeo and Juliet. That's a play that's designed to or written to be performed on the stage. Uh, What else I've got? I've got a a book of poetry here. Um, I've got a oh, I've got a shopping list. It's our shopping list. Um, I've got a I've got a history book. This is uh, a little a little history of the world. I really recommend that book. It's written for children. It's an amazing book. Um, I've got what's what's this one? Viewed in the Peace. What kind of story is that? Um, fairy tale. A fairy tale, yep. So you've all, you're probably all familiar with that story. And here I've got a, a science textbook. So I've got a lot of different types of uh, writing here. And you can learn uh, something from all of these types of writing. But you don't read them all in exactly the same way because they're all quite different, aren't they? And we expect to get something different out of each of these different sorts of writing. So if, for example, I took a shopping list and I tried to read this like a fairy story, it wouldn't be a very good one, would it? It said, once upon a time, bread, milk, sardines, Brussels sprouts, toothpaste, toilet paper, washing up liquid, the end. You'd be like, huh? That is not a very good uh, fairy tale, is it? So you've got to know what you're reading, otherwise it gets really confusing. And the first two chapters of Genesis tell us about the creation of everything. Uh, But some people try to read it as if they're reading a scientific textbook, as if it's some kind of instruction manual for how to create a universe. 
But when it comes to creation, scientists want to know when it happened and how it happened. But actually, the authors of Genesis isn't really interested in those questions. That They want to know uh, who created everything and why they created it. And that's something that only God can tell us. There's no conflict between science and Christianity, no disagreement. They're, they're both trying to answer very different questions. Now, I have here, if you'd like to bring this over, Emma, but who can guess what's in here? Anyone got an idea? What was that? Christmas cake. You're very close. You're very. You're right, Caleb. It is a cake. It is indeed a cake. It's an amazing-looking cake. Okay, I'll let everyone see this amazing-looking cake. Okay, we've got an amazing cake here, and I'm going to put this to one side because I don't want to drop this cake. So, if I gave this wonderful cake to a group of very clever scientists. They could tell us all kinds of things about this cake, couldn't they? I'm sure they could give us the precise size and weight of the cake. Uh, They could tell us about all the ingredients, everything that's in it, and they could break it all down, and they could tell us how many calories in the cake. They could tell us so much about this cake. But what if I asked this clever group of scientists, who made this cake, and why did they make it? Could they answer that question? Could they tell me that? Can you answer the question? Do you know who made the cake? Do you know more why they made the cake? You don't know. Somebody's got to tell us. You see, only the creator of this cake can answer the who and the why question. So I know you're dying to know who made this cake now, aren't you? So who did make this cake? Would you like to stand up, the, the creator of this cake, who, who made the cake? Sandra, you, no, you stand up, Sandra, because I've got it. <laughs> Sandra, you didn't know I was going to ask this, but why did you make this cake? A craving for sugar. <laughs> a, a craving for sugar, okay. But, and I'm sure you do too. Maybe we can have some of this cake during morning tea. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> so, only Sandra, who created the cake, can say, yes, I made this cake, and this is why I made the cake. And only God, who created the universe, can say, yes, I made the universe, and this is why I made the universe. God had to show that to us. It's not something that we could work out by ourselves. So we need to understand what we're reading, what it's trying to tell us, what kind of questions it's trying to answer. And Genesis 1, our reading today, tells us three really important things. It tells us that God created everything from nothing. It tells us that God brought order from chaos. And it tells us that God created human beings to care for creation on his behalf. And it tells us these things through what we, you know, you've got all these different sorts of books, all these different sorts of writing. Well, this tells it to us through what we could call historic parable. And Jesus taught in parables, didn't he? So Genesis 1 and 2 are a very beautiful, poetic way of telling us some really important truths about our whole universe. Who created it and why? So firstly, it tells us that God created everything. 
says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In other words, God created everything from nothing. And if you take God out of the picture, you actually have to say that nothing created everything from nothing. And that doesn't make sense, does it? Doesn't add up. So some people ask, well, who created God? And the answer is no one created God. God has always existed. It doesn't matter how far back you go in time, God was always there. And that kind of makes our head spin, doesn't it? But no more so than thinking about space, for example. If you go out into space and you travel through space and you keep going and going and going and going, where does it stop? And if there is a kind of an end to space as we know it, what's beyond it? There's got to be something. So that's really quite difficult for us to understand, isn't it? The idea that you can just keep going and going and going and going and going and going forever. You see, God is eternal, and that means forever. And our brains struggle to understand forever. So there's two categories, two kinds of thing. There is God, and then there's everything else. There's the creator, God, and there's creation, the universe, and everything in it. God created everything, and he created everything from nothing. So next we see that God creates order from chaos. Who has a really tidy bedroom? Adults as well, put your hand up if you have a really tidy bedroom. Okay, so that's three of the children and about five of the adults. Okay, put your hand up if you would like a really tidy bedroom. Okay, a lot more hands went up that time. We naturally like order, even if we're not very good at achieving it. And you might say, well, I kind of like to have my stuff everywhere. I like a bit of chaos. And whilst that might be true, we basically do all like order. I doubt there's anyone here who keeps their power tools in the fridge or their jewellery in the garden shed. We don't have bookshelves in our shower. We don't have a, a fish tank on the roof of our house, do we? We like a certain amount of order because our creator is orderly. And the story of creation is all about God bringing order from a chaotic and formless world. And we're going to see how. So who thinks they can remember what happened on each day of creation? Uh, adults, I hope you've uh, remembered this as well. So I want you to tell me what happened on each day. So day one of creation, what happened on day one? I think we can go to the next slide. And then, so day one of creation, what happened? Tino. He made the world. He met, God made the heavens and the, it says in the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. And that's kind of the way of saying God made everything. And then it breaks it down day by day. So that's the very first um, line of that uh, reading. So well done, Tino, for remembering that. But what did actually, did God create on day one? Light. Who said that? Light, Light and Darkness. Okay, it's good. I can't see who's answering with, with the mask on, but that's fine. Um, I'll work it out. So uh, God created light and darkness. What about day two? What did God create on day two? Can anyone remember? Adults getting involved here. Alan, shout it out. 
The sea and sky absolutely right, separated the waters above and the waters below, so we have the sky and the sea. What about day three? Can anyone remember here, day three? You can guess. If you get it wrong, that's fine. Who said that? Helen. Land and dry land. The dry land appeared. Yep, the sea's already there. The dry land appears. And then what else? What on the dry, what, what grew on the dry land? Sophie? Plants and, yeah, trees and plants and bushes and grasses and all those things. Uh, so that's day three. Uh, after three days, it's almost like God has drawn an outline of creation and now he's going to fill in the details. So what happened on day four? Do you remember? God made the birds and fish. Not quite. You've gone one, one ahead of it, but well done. I'll ask you for the next one. Day four? The sun, the moon, and the stars, kind of like a throwaway line in there. He created the stars as well. The sun and the moon. And a lot of people say, well, how can there be light before there's even a sun? And this is where we remember that we're not reading a scientific textbook. Uh, The sun and the moon come on day four because the nations around Israel, they worship the sun and the moon. And by leaving them till day four, the author is basically saying, Ah, the sun and the moon, they're not so important. God didn't create them until day four. Don't worship them. Worship God. So then what happened? Day five, what did Isaac, what did God? God created every marine animal. No, you gave it it to me last time, your last answer. The The birds and the fish, exactly right. So now you start to see that God is, it's like he's filling in these spaces that he's created. So you have the the light and the dark, and he creates the sun and the moon to go in those spaces. And he's created the sky and the sea, and he's created the the, uh, birds and the fish and all the sea creatures to go in those spaces. And then on day six, what did God create, Sophie? Animals and people. So then you've got the dry land and the plants. So you've got the habitat and the food and then the animals and the people to fill that space. So you can see actually, this is a very orderly account of creation, order from chaos. And the fact that creation is well ordered means that we can study it. And it's actually the belief that God created in an orderly way that gave rise to modern scientists. People thought, well, if God has created in an orderly way, we ought to be able to study things. Things ought to be the same every time. And that's what gave rise to, uh, to modern science. So finally, we see that God created human beings to care for creation. And verse 27 says this. Where Have I gone ahead? Okay. So let's, let's, should we read that together? So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So God saved the best bit till last, human beings made in his image. And after each day of creation, it says God saw that it was good. But at the end of day six, when God had made human beings and when God had completed creation, it says God saw all that he had made and it was very good. So each day it was good, it was good, it was good, it was good, it was good. And day six, God saw that it was 
Very good. Now, to be made in God's image doesn't mean that we look like God. It doesn't mean that we are God. But it means we can be a bit like God in some ways. We can represent God. You see, we've been created for relationships. Relationships with, uh, well, primarily a relationship with God, relationships with one another, and relationship with creation itself. And it's that last bit that I'm going to focus on now, our relationship with creation. Put your hand up if you like helping in the garden. Anyone like helping in the garden? Yeah, okay, a few of you, a few of you like helping in the garden. When I was your age, I used to love helping my dad in the garden. And one day he showed me a little corner of the garden and he said, I want you to care for this part of the garden. Do something with it. So I made a little pond and it became a habitat for frogs and newts. Uh, my dad wanted that part of the garden looked after, but he wanted me to do it on his behalf, not because he couldn't be bothered but because he loved me and he wanted me to be involved and he knew that I'd benefit from being involved and I'd enjoy being involved. And it's a bit like that with creation. God is in charge, but he wants us to care for creation on his behalf. Uh, And not just a little corner of creation, but the whole thing. And God wants us to reflect his goodness and glory out into the world. In other words, God wants human beings to represent him in creation. Now that hasn't quite happened. And next week we're going to find out why. But for now, there are three things we can take away from this and learn from Genesis 1. Three really important things. God created everything from nothing. God brings order out of chaos, not just in creation, but actually in our own lives as well. And God created human beings to care for creation on his behalf. Let's pray. Should we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful account of creation that we read in Genesis 1. It's mind-boggling. It's amazing. And it is so important to understand Uh, how everything began. It began with you, speaking creation into being. And we pray, Lord, that that we'll recognize this and that we'll build on this in the following weeks to see um, what has happened to your creation and also what you have done to to rectify the the, the problems that there are and where everything is headed as well. Help us, Lord, to to really grasp this and to, to... to see your awesome wonder and, and power and majesty and ultimately love in amongst all this great story. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.